It's Transfer Tuesday on the Podcast Daily. That is Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward, and the portal action is coming fast and furious. So we're going to run down the list and some of the impact, and it's possible that we might leave somebody out. I think it's quite possible that by the time we finish recording uh, this here show, and certainly before it hits your ears on a Tuesday morning, that more players will have transferred. But we can't keep up. We do we do what we can with the information we have at this moment. So we'll drop the joke for this one week. <laughs> it is Monday. It is the afternoon, and we're getting ready. Uh, we're, we'll break down what's happened so far, and it's been a lot. I don't know. There is a starter that's in there. We yeah. talked about that on, on a live Snap Judgments on Monday morning with Kyle McCord going into the portal. Outside of that, the next closest, Julian Fleming is a star, so that'd be number two. Yeah, That was probably the, I don't know, most surprising non-quarterback move thus far for Ohio State. I, I wasn't expecting that one. I, I thought it was more likely that Julian just might want to move on and, and try to professionalize and, and see where that gets him. Uh, you know, as a guy who's a really good blocker and, and I think gives you something with with his speed as, as a receiver, but um, instead it seems like he's going to try to do that in another college program, which I... I suppose makes sense if I'm him, right? Like, I guess you have to take inventory of what Ohio State has coming back next year at receiver um, and whether or not you think those opportunities will be there for you. I guess it's not a guarantee that it would be. And if he feels like, you know, he needs to get to a spot where he can be a little more productive as a receiver, he didn't have a touchdown this year. He did. I, I was looking this up um, when I was writing for the, the post we have on rivals.com. Um, he has almost a thousand receiving yards in his Ohio State career, which I, I didn't quite realize. But he was really good in twenty twenty two. He had a great year, um, but I understand maybe like, like I want to cash in a little more on what I think my potential is, and maybe maybe that wouldn't happen here. But I was certainly not on alert for Julian Fleming to the portal on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's hard to. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't NFL talent evaluators and scouts are looking at guys who are good run-blocking receivers, but that's not necessarily what they're looking to draft. Yes. And I, I think for for his own stock, I can understand why he may want to go be uh, a primary target, primary receiver, whatever, somewhere else uh, for his professional future. For From the Ohio State side, why would it have been so important to maintain and keep Julian Fleming in the group? Because that run-blocking was really good. Because yeah. they've seen... You know, games like the Peach Bowl comes to mind for me, the impact that he had. You know, it, you, he doesn't even need... 10 targets to stretch it out and rack up 80, 90 yards. Like he, he can make a lot of things happen. Is he, has he been a perfect polished wide receiver? And I I mean, no. And we talked about that process a number of times with him coming out of high school and the difficulty that that was going to take. But I think what he does provide to Ohio state may be difficult to replace because, uh, you know, Marvin is an alien. He is, he's separate from this conversation. If they're able to get, Emeka Ibuka to stick around for another year. I mean, he's he's in a, a chess piece, and you can move him all around and do a lot of different things. But he is not. He's a good blocker. He's not a Julian Fleming level blocker. And I remember a lot of those conversations, Bill, like around October. It's like, man, Julian's had a drop in like several games in a row. Why is he still playing out there? Why isn't Carnell Tate out there? And then some of these same people would come back a week or two later, and be like, oh, I saw that huge block that yep. Julian threw downfield. He was very good at that. I think he was their best blocker this year. <laughs> like taking into account all the offensive linemen, all the tight ends, running backs, anyone who who throws a block for Ohio State. I think Julian Fleming was their best and most consistent blocker, and I, he will be missed. Like maybe people roll their eyes at that. 
I get it. He he didn't live up to the billing as a five-star number one receiver, in some cases number one player in the class. I think he was done no favors by that evaluation right. because I, he was an incredible athlete in high school. He was not an incredible receiver in high school, and, and you're doing projections there, and that's where he ended up, but that creates expectations, I think, that, that Julian didn't, didn't quite meet. But he was a very important player for Ohio State and one whose contributions, I do think, I, I agree with you, will be difficult to replicate. All right, so you go down – the power rankings, I know it's not a fair way of doing it. Who's the next person who is most likely, you think, to make an impact out of this group that maybe is not ideal for Ohio State? Like some of this, I, I'm just going to put the caveat right here up front. This isn't to diminish anyone, the contributions to Ohio State or leaving, like their future, whatever. Ohio State did had to have a large number of people leave if they were going to make additions. And, and even if they didn't make additions, they had to have departures just to get to the scholarship number. So uh, just putting them in terms of the potential impact that we projected forward, not a ton of these changed the depth chart, at least as it's currently constructed in my mind, but there were some guys that were closer than others and others who've actually like played a decent amount of snaps in, in big-time situations. Yeah, I, I think that's Jair Brown then, right? The guy you got you go to next. Um it was a weird year for him this year. Like he, he actually played a lot. I, I, I have forgotten how much he played as a true freshman, but he started that game against Wisconsin, and then he, I think he played 200 snaps or so for the defense in, in, in 2022, and I thought looked pretty good when he did that. And then this year he was on the unavailability report a few times and just didn't tra- didn't travel like to every road game, and it was just a, like a very limited role for him. But I still viewed him as someone who could potentially play – a, a meaningful number of nickel snaps for Ohio State next year, and and perhaps even more than that, depending on what Jordan Hancock decides he's going to do. And, and, we, and we don't know that just yet. And perhaps Jair's decision to jump into the portal is a reflection of, of Jordan Hancock making a decision to, to perhaps come back for Ohio State's defense next year, which would be tremendous. But um, I, I like Jair Brown a lot when they got him as a recruit. I think he has an incredible attitude. Like He plays with a feistiness that I really mm-hmm. like. He's physical as a corner, can play inside, outside. So... He was very much someone who I thought still had a, a pretty bright future here. As a guy, I mean, he's only a, a true sophomore. He's only been here. He wasn't even here for two years. Um, so that was – it wasn't – it's not surprising because it's hard to say anything anymore is surprising. But sure. when, I, when I sort of like take a, a, a look at the list of guys who have thus far put their name in, aside from the obvious two starters that have left, um, Jair was one that I did think had the potential to play uh, at least more than he has played the first two years next year. Yeah. Jair Brown and <clears throat> Ryan Turner both had – we talked about them going back in the spring. Like As Ohio State wants to play more of a, a corner in the nickel, like can those guys make the transition? And it seemed like they would get consideration and opportunity. It turns out that Jordan Hancock was the most natural fit for that. So I think, you know, you want to be an Ohio State fan or you're Tim Walton and Perry Eliano, like this – Hope that that means that Jordan Hancock's decision has been made and been conveyed, conveyed to the staff and his teammates, so that you know that position doesn't become uh, completely remade, and you yeah. have to reload in a way that wouldn't be fun without any of those three, or even Cam Martinez, who has been looked at in that role as well. So he's in the transfer portal, and it's a lot of this stuff has been happening in the secondary specifically because you can you add in Kai Stokes uh, had one of the best springs of a freshman defensive back that I think any of us can recall for 2022 and then not a lot after that. I believe he played in 11 games, had 12 tackles, did some special team stuff. Um, you know, I he got into games late in this year. He played against Michigan State and Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, and it seemed like well, that guy could be a ball hawk. He could play a, a Malik Hooker role, and 
that was the conversation that we had a year and a half ago. It didn't quite come to fruition, and and who knows if it would or wouldn't have next year. But you know, you look at what does that mean at the safety spot, Ethan Ransom, and then his decision, and where are you going to put Sonny Styles? A lot of these things are interesting conversations because Kai Stokes, I don't think, was that far away from being someone who could have played for Ohio State. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, he was another guy who I thought certainly had starter potential here, and they are they're they're taking some hits there to their secondary depth, right? Maybe less so at corner. Um, I don't think we expect Denzel Burke to be back, but otherwise I think they're okay at corner. They'll, they'll be young, but I think there's a reason to be bullish on what they have there, certainly what they have coming in in this recruiting class. But it's not a prolific recruiting class at safety, and now you're going to lose Josh Proctor, you're going to lose Lathan Ransom. Maybe you get a healthy Jihad Carter, and, and that helps make the picture look a little better. But, yeah, like, and if you're to include – like I, I kind of thought of Jair Brown more as a safety because of the nickel stuff. So, like, you take him out, you take Cam Martinez out, you take Kai Stokes out, like – it's not a particularly deep position. I, I think it's one. I, I don't know that they're necessarily looking for starter caliber safeties, especially if Jordan Hancock comes back um, and Lathan Ransom, obviously. But I don't. I don't. I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, it's a position that can get a little hairy on them quickly now with some of these depth piece, depth pieces. Excuse me, uh, leaving the program, and it's it's just not a spot where I expected them to lose a ton of guys. I feel pretty similar in that regard with Evan Pryor at tailback because like. You look at this list and the opportunities to come back. I think Travion, probably the advice would be to go as a running back. Like, don't let any more mileage come off the tires before you start ca- cashing a bigger check. Uh, Chip Trainum played a lot of college football. Maybe that opportunity, Mayan Williams, with all the injuries, you know. And then you're talking about just Dallin Hayden and Evan Pryor. Well, Evan Pryor's not in that conversation anymore. And who knows? I mean, someone could drop a million dollars on Dallin Hayden's doorstep and, like, yeah. hey, you should get in the portal. Like, that situation. It, McDonald's bag. That's right. Specifically, you're looking at the the depth chart and what it could be for Ohio State. Like, ah, well, Evan Pryor's probably a notch or two below seeing the football field again. But then what it might be is very different uh, in the worst case scenario. And then losing Evan Pryor becomes a far bigger deal. Yeah, and I thought his skill set was unique in that room too. Like, I in the end, I think Ohio State never did as much as I wanted them to do with Travion Henderson as a receiver, and I think maybe part of that is just worrying about durability, and like we saw him get popped really, really hard in the Michigan game right when they did get him in the space on a reception. But I thought Evan Pryor could do a version of that if they ever wanted to go down that road um, a little farther, and um, certainly seemed to have like some wiggle as, as a ball carrier too, right? He was a top 100 prospect when he came out of high school, so yeah, it's just the, the, that is the strange thing for me with a lot of these decisions. It's like it's not that they're inherently inherently wrong. It just feels like they're rushed. And it's like if you're in a position of a guy like Evan Pryor or Jair Brown, I just feel like it would be to your benefit. And I'm not I'm not saying this as a as a critique because I, I understand it's hard and I'm not I'm not in their shoes. But the picture of the roster can change drastically. Where all of a sudden, like you're two steps higher on the depth chart than you thought you were going to be otherwise, and and then if you wait it out and you're not, like there's opportunities to go elsewhere. If you're a talented player like those two guys, I think they're still going to be there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what's a little confusing to me at times. Like there, there are other ones that I think are more clear cut. It's like you're not going to play here, go somewhere else. Like, But that some of these don't feel that way. Some of these feel like may, maybe that will be the case, and I don't fault you for, for jumping the gun a little bit on that, but I, re, I really do think it could work out where opportunities could have been available for those guys depending on how some of these decisions go. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not fun to wait. And you hear all the time, and they're probably being told, get in the portal now. You get to come in January. You're going to get to go through winter workouts and spring ball. Plus, here's the money, and it's going to be up front. And and that's that's got to be hard. Like that's 
that part of college football now in roster management absolutely sucks just to cover, like to be in it and to have your your career, your livelihood, your your teammates, your everything tied up in this and have so much pressure coming at you from the outside and people trying to reach into your DMs and like offer you millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, I mean, that just it's figuring out how much of that is actually real and to and do it right now. And to yeah. do it right now, uh, what, Berm? Mine's going pro. Mine is going pro. All right. Um, so scratch that one from the Evan Pryor conversation and uh, not from the portal. Well, it's another name that would have been in front of that's right. Evan Pryor yeah. that's not there now. You scratch know it I mean? from going yeah. Yeah, above. So um, anyway, I just think that that part is unfortunate. I, I stand with, like I think, almost everybody else that the guys deserve name, image, and likeness rights. But the unintended consequence of that is how insane – the pressure is to make decisions. And, and before, like, the season ended nine days ago. Yeah. And the decisions from their teammates about whether they're going to go to the NFL or not have not been, like, finalized. They've, there's still another game that Ohio State has to play. Uh, and a lot of these guys, you know, whether they're opting out, going in the portal, like, an opportunity with their – that part is silly to me in some ways. Like, you're not going to go to the Cotton Bowl with them and celebrate the year. Well, right. it didn't end the way that they wanted. I certainly understand all that, but like, go together and have one last game, and go to Christmas and go to the gift suite. Most importantly, I mean, maybe that doesn't matter anymore. It used to the Cotton Bowl is pretty pretty awesome. Used to be pretty <laughs> a pretty big deal, but now that's just like, well, don't don't worry about sticking out through the bowl game because we're going to give you you know a couple hundred thousand dollars anyway. But yeah, that that is my like. I mean, college football is changing in a million different ways. I. A lot of like the conference realignment and the playoff expansion. I'm kind of just a go with the flow kind of guy with that. This roster management stuff, I do think, um, is is really out of whack. And like, I'm not, I'm not saying anything you know revelatory there, but I think it does. It puts a ton of pressure on these players to make really important decisions in a super small time frame. That I just, I think it does more harm than good. I'm not like I'm very much a proponent of them getting paid to do what they do. And if these are opportunities to do that, like I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I, I think the calendar needs to be tweaked, right? To have this portal open while teams are preparing for bowl games and playoff games, and to your point, like a lot of their teammates haven't made their draft decisions yet, and you know, especially moving forward when there's a 12 team playoff, like some guy might be unsure and then play out of his mind in the playoff and decide he's going to go, and then like that changes the dynamics of the roster. So I, I think. I like the idea of portal windows and, and specific times to do this. I think this is maybe the worst <laughs> worst time of year to do it because it just creates utter chaos and, and I think confusion for a lot of the players. I, I think it's the the awkward marriage of the prof- professionalization of student-athletes. This is not, not to say that it should go back. I am not saying that at all. But when you have school presidents and athletic directors and the NCAA all – and then eventually the, the federal government being involved and you're tying people's eligibility around that they still have to make grades and go to class and then the semester starts in January. Yeah. Like, I understand that their hands are tied of where they could really realistically put that because they're not just going to suddenly say, well, you know what, if you're a football player, you can show up. Uh, we're going to move the window back. NFL draft deadline is like January 15th to 17th, and then we'll have the transfer portal uh, in the third week of January until the middle of February. Like, mm, and then you have like the administrators of the school being like, uh, no, that yeah. that's half of he's missed twenty five percent of his classes. He's there's no way he's gonna be able to pass that. And they're yeah. like, you don't have to act. Well, never mind. You don't have to go to class. Like, 
I, I know that there's a, a dream world out there where it's like, well, cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Not going to class sounds great. But, but it is still a university and a college, and yeah. they are, they are still trying to maintain that part. So, like, where else can you put it? The only other op- the only option is December and then the summer, and it makes this part of the year just absolutely brutal and, and really unmanageable in my mind. Yeah, it, it is unmanageable. That's a good point that I, I, I – Really didn't just take into consideration, and maybe maybe we don't take into consideration enough. Is like they are students. <laughs> we forget that. We do forget. It's that harder. Sometimes. It's harder and harder every year to remember that. But yeah, it does. <laughs> it does complicate things um, tremendously. Uh, one one other position of of note, I think, for Ohio State is center mm-hmm. with Vic Cutler and Jacob James going in, just like annihilates the depth. It's it's Carson Hinsman and Josh Padilla mm-hmm. playing center on the roster right now, and maybe Luke Montgomery can play center. Maybe you teach Degger Shabola how to snap, um, but two scholarship centers on your roster uh, is certainly not ideal at the moment. Yeah, and uh, Jacob James fits in that. I mean, longtime program guy, you know, down the road in state, wanted to be a Buckeye. I think we thought, you know, coming off of the shoulder injury and everything a year ago, that he would have a, a good shot to potentially win that job. Didn't, but you never heard any, you know, complaints about that like it was yeah. my turn i'm gonna go do it uh, you know just went out and did his job and so you can understand that spot for him you know he wants to find somewhere to go play and, and he's i believe he's got that diploma in hand and and participated on senior day so you can uh, you can understand some of that stuff it's not not every case is going to be about ohio state players being lured into the portal with huge bags of money like this is oh. this is a more traditional you know graduate transfer situation yeah i think so and and Unfortunate timing for Jacob to not be healthy enough to compete for the center competition or center job. Um, basically, once the twenty twenty three lead in off season started, it was he had I believe shoulder shoulder surgery and just wasn't able to compete during the spring. And then by that point, by the time he's ready to roll in June, like a lot of the hay is in the barn, I guess for that competition. And just never really felt like he had much of an opportunity to get back into it when Carson Hinsman kind of took that job and, and Vic Cutler was there too. So um, a little bit of bad luck, I think, and. Uh, Probably more opportunity for him to like tr- truly be he, like, like backup offensive linemen are really important, right? And, and and I think he he served that role well at Ohio State, but he wants to go somewhere and play more, and I don't I don't fault him for that. Yeah, and and I'm sure he will. I, I don't know where specifically that might be, but somebody with his amount of physical development and years, like you, there is no shortcut on the offensive line. Okay. Um, you need that time, you need that strength, you need that understanding, and. I think he'll probably be a starting center. I mean, maybe it is dropping down to the Mac. You know, that I don't know. I don't know what the options out there, who desperately needs a center, but I think that that would be one he he would have an opportunity to do that and you certainly understand him taking that, but and that's that's the way it is for a lot of these guys. I don't I don't fault them for making the decisions that they are in any way. They this these are the rules of engagement now. Uh if there's money to be made, I mean, who who can fault anybody for trying to find a, a better job or a better place like that is ultimately the American way. Just college football itself seemed like removed from that for so long. And it was like, I know that it's a huge frustration for, for Berm to cover that when the recruiting part aspect and all those rules have changed. And, and we're looking at the current roster and what positions Ohio state needs, which ones they're going to lose and all it's more complicated than ever before. But, um, the, the freedom and ability and desire or whatever else for, these guys who are still kids and 18 to 21 and I'm okay with that part. Like if we have to be, you know, a 
adjusting to a new era of roster management and the sport doesn't look the same of what, what we grew up watching. Like, all right, well, that that's the trade-off. That's the way it is. It is, yep. It's the way of the world. And I think maybe we'll just one of the, like, I don't, I don't view any, this is a lot of transfer movement, right? And I think people might be looking at it saying, like, what's going on at Ohio State? Like look around the country. Yeah, no, they're not. It's, they're not. They're not the only one where this is happening. And you know, if if a uh, you know, like Kyle McCord is is a different animal. And we talked about that, but I think a lot of this is just like normal um, roster movement in a world where you can only have eighty five scholarship players, and Ohio State needs to bring in another recruiting class. Like guys are going to leave, and that number is going to be pretty big most off seasons. Yeah, and we've talked about that that in previous years. Like Ohio State's been better than most and almost everybody in terms of roster retention. But the unfortunate consequence of doing that, and this sounds like a crazy thing to say, is if you do that two or three or four years in a row, then one massive bill comes yes, due. That's right. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you're like, we have 140 scholarship players. What are we going to do? And then this happens. Yeah. And then, then the portal gets busy, which it has been for Ohio State. Uh, not, not any movement yet for the Buckeyes in as the portal opened on Monday, but plenty of action going the other way, and we've been – Trying our best to stay on top of that for you on the podcast and to be ready for the podcast daily. This has been the Tuesday edition, looking at the transfer portal. That is Bill Landis. I'm Austin Ward. Thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you later.